Welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy. And today I'd like to talk about story elements. Stories are a very important part of every culture and a part of speech and language development. Most everyone likes to listen to stories. Stories are fun, they're exciting, they're calming, they're informative, educational, there's so many things. And so when we listen to stories or tell the stories, we learn about these story elements. There are many parts and pieces involved in a story. And if we break them down, we're looking at the setting, characters, the initiating and rising events or action, problem, climax, falling action and events, and the resolution and ending. And we learn to use our speech and language skills as we're learning and demonstrating knowledge of these story elements. This is most notably evidenced by narrative language. So narrative language includes skills like comprehension, sequencing and grammar, syntax, critical thinking and vocabulary. And when people come to my practice or I see it in the schools where students and clients need this support with narrative language, it's really complex and it's really fun and vast and it's great territory. It's kind of our stomping grounds of where we get to go to help people develop these skills. And we can start really simply with setting and these real where is it taking place and all of these things. And can we, we can build into very complex things and subtleties and analyze. So we can go all kinds of places with story elements. But let's just keep it simple to start. So if we're looking at the basics, it's important to orient the child to these basic WHs, we call them. So we've got the who, what, when, where, why. So when we have the setting, we're thinking about where we are and time. When is it happening? The characters, who are they? And an initiating event, what is happening at the start of the story? So if we break these down bit by bit, we can get a bit more information. Let's look at what to why and how. Once kids have a sense of these basics as the story starts, then they start climbing the mountain, so to speak, this rising action. And this is where kids practice finding the main ideas and events. You know, these are the basic things that we're all trying to help kids get at that first stage. What's the big idea? And this is also very true for kids who are just struggling with uh, language in general. What is this main idea? How is it different from these smaller ideas? And how do these small ideas support the main idea? These are the most relevant and important aspects to include at the beginning. And then as the story progresses, they start to talk about these characters' feelings, their ideas, their perspectives. Remember, we spoke about perspective taking earlier in another podcast and and how important, how crucial that is to really get what's going on in a story. We want to know the why and the how and how these take shape. And as we dive into motivations, then these are related to those actions. Cause and effect come into play. We have if then. And this starts to give kids an understanding about consequences to actions. What's one character doing? And wow, what what did they do? And how did that cause this to happen? And how does that drive the story forward? Right? We have this plot-driven stories, character-driven stories, different things. So that's where we start. Then we come upon the problem and the plan. What is the problem? How do we sort it out? 
there's a lot of times multiple ways to solve a problem. And this is also when we get into more critical thinking skills and kids with social language and other language and learning disabilities. They need to know there's not just one answer for something. I was working on this yesterday with a client and this client was thinking that there was just one answer to give for a given scenario. But I let them know that actually it's based on the person's experience and the person's point of view. How are they going to respond to this? They could have this response. And then we we noted there's a few different responses. So that's true for so many situations that we encounter and so many skills we're trying to build. And this is very true for story elements when they're looking at problem solution. They need to understand the difference between the sizes of the problem. Now, that is really important because there's a different way we're going to look at solutions. Based upon the size, we have a different solution. We also have a different emotional response, a different mental response. We maybe need to engage other people, other characters, or in real life, other supports. So these all come into play, and this is why it's a really good place to practice all of these skills. There's better ways to solve a problem than another. So this might solve a problem this way, but hmm, I wonder if we have a better way to do this. Maybe, maybe, let's just look. And what does it look like when these problems get worse with bad decisions? Oh, wow. Okay, let's go down that road just, you know, just, just to show. Okay, this is what happened when they did this. Oops, yikes. Let's try this instead. Do we need an opposite action? Do we just need to move it, skew it a little bit? What do we need to do? So we show again the spectrum of uh, actions that we take based on our problem solution scenario and what's going on in the moment. What's the situation? Who are we with? How severe is it? There's so many degrees and variations that come into play. And we want to make sure that we give kids a variety of inputs so that they know how to respond based upon what's going on in the moment. We don't want people to overreact, underreact, and to have the right responses. So in making these predictions, we're going to know, okay, what's going on in these different scenarios? What supports the cause and effect? What supports these comprehension skills? We make our way up, 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 up this mountain, and then we get to the climax of the story. This is where it's most intense. And this usually grabs everybody's attention. You know, drama gets people's attention. So where, oh my gosh, is this person going to die? Are they going to make it? Are they going to fall in love? What's going to happen? You know, are they going to get the prize? Are they going to win the race? What's going to happen? So obviously kids can love this, this part of the story, this intensity. All of the good and the bad and the ugly converge in this one moment of the story. And this is the point in the story when we can discuss how do we get here? What happened? A bit of a review. And that's really important. For some kids, they really need that. Let's recast this. Let's see what happened. Where were we again? And what was going on? And who did this? So we want to go back and do that. We can take a look around. How did we get here? Who was motivated to do what? What were their emotions? Let's look at the plan and see what these characters have in store for themselves. How is it going for them? What they've got going on. So in this point in the story, it's a great time to get practice with this. Time and sequence come into play. When is this? How long? What already happened in our story? What's going on now? And hey, what could happen next? These are things we're considering at this moment. It's right in the middle of the story. Because it's that if you draw the visual, you it looks, let's see, how to say, 
it has uh, a straight line and then you go straight up like a peak and then straight down. So it goes like whoop, like a mountain. So that's why we call it going up the mountain, going down the mountain. And as kids go down the mountain, they have this descending action. Now, with rising action and descending action, there are events all along the way. So it's not just, you know, zero to 60. We have these moments of action and each of them has a situation and things to discuss and talk about. So as they go down the mountain, they again want to practice these main idea skills. They want to determine what's most important as we're going to plan on putting this action into place. And the story starts to come to a resolution. Prediction skills, again, they come into play as kids start to make these educated guesses about what's going to happen as the story starts to resolve. Then we get towards the bottom, towards the ending, and we have that resolution and ending. And we want to talk about how did everything turn out? How were the problems solved? And how are the characters feeling? And what are they doing now? So this, this type of discussion at the end is really critical. Now, when we are landscaping this for everybody, we want to make sure that there are good visual supports. I always use graphic organizers. You know, you're highlighting and making notes drawing things, doing all kinds of things. So when you incorporate these visual elements and graphic organizers, you're helping kids learn sequencing. This is the beginning, the middle, and the end. And then along with some of the basic elements of the character setting, problem, and solution. The character motivations, the insights, their perspectives and feelings, all of these help kids develop their critical thinking skills. We use these graphic organizers and plot diagrams because it gives kids a way to see the organization right in front of them. They get practice with that sequencing and then they see how these story elements are connected. If they have working memory issues or attention issues, these visual aids are really helpful because the graphic organizer holds the information for them and then they can keep reinforcing it in order to support their retention and also decrease the cognitive load while they're unlocking this plot. We want this graphic organizer to serve as like a stable reference point for them. Now they're building these skills of we've, as we've talked about, this sequencing skill is really important for narrative language. Think about a story. You don't go from the beginning to the end to the middle. You don't go one, five, three, two. You know, when we're telling a story, we like to go in an order. We have a general sequence we follow. We want to teach kids how to use these transition words. It helps them develop really good narrative skills. And then they learn these words that convey time and space. For example, instead of them saying, and then, and then, and then, which I see so much, Kids just say it and then, and then, and then. They'll say it in their speech. They'll say it in their writing. We want to start introducing words like before and after, when, while, and when they're just beginning, first, then, finally. That's, that's more towards like the elementary. They learn that first we do this, then we do this, finally we do that. It's, a lot of kids find a great security and comfort in that. And as I was speaking about before in another podcast, we talk about conjunctions. I haven't really gotten in depth with conjunctions, but it's hard to not mention them because as we get older, we use them all the time. We're creating these complex sentence structures and we really need them. So 
we have to use when and while, and they introduce these temporal concepts for us. Now we have our big three, right? Uh, grammar, syntax, vocabulary. And as kids verbalize and write their ideas down, there's endless opportunities to work on parts of speech, sentence structures and vocabulary. The amount of transition words and conjunctions, prefixes, suffixes, they all vary depending on the age and ability of the child. But these big three are really critical. Vocabulary can be learned with the help of visuals. You can reference keywords. You can figure out the meaning from the context. So all of those we spoke about in the vocabulary podcast more in depth. But there's so many ways to really maximize the learning opportunity of these. The retail is very, very important. And this is where the rubber hits the road. You want to start small and build slowly. This is a great way to build confidence and also refine the skills for the child. There are different ways to do this. You can have them just speak to you, right? See what they know. You can use apps. There's apps that have the visual supports. They'll have the sentence starters. They can record their their voice when they do this. And it's really, really good. They have uh, animated shorts you can use. You could go onto YouTube or other um, platforms of animated shorts and they watch a little clip and then they have to recast the story. And what I like to do is I like to support them and bring it back up with no sound as they recount the story. They may need that visual piece and you can just slowly move it through a bit by bit as then they say, okay, and then what's going on here? And then they say, and la, 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 this happened. And then you maybe have your transition words posted so they can see which transition words they might want to use to provide all of these visual supports for them. And of course, the verbal supports, that happens automatically. Books, books, books. This is what we use all the time. Books with lots of pictures or interesting content. Those are really fun ways for kids to learn and practice retelling stories. So these visual aids are the, one of the most important resources you can use. And you want to do it wherever it's needed. You can fade it in and fade it out depending on what you're reading, what you're listening to, what you're watching, and the skill level. Now, I want to talk about writing. So the retell is a verbal retell. Writing is critical. Verbal and written skills go together. Reading and writing go together. And I love writing. It's one of my favorite skills to teach. When you see someone's writing, it really gives a window into what skills do they have in place? What verbal skills, what vocabulary, what grammar, syntax, all of the skills, punctuation, which we've addressed in another podcast, all of these come right to the front and center when when you do writing. I absolutely love writing. And vocabulary, you can shoot, you can really go the extra mile with, with exercising your vocabulary when you're writing. So once a child can retell their story, then we want them to put this in print. They can handwrite it or they can type it. It depends on their skills and what their preference is. When I'm working virtually, we use typing or I use typing and have them, if they're not able to type yet, then I type what they're saying. And it's interesting to see what comes up there. Whenever there's in-person work, we can do handwriting. Still, sometimes kids are really preferring, you know, typewritten things. So it just depends on preference and availability. You want to just provide, again, you know, as much or as little help as they need. And you bring it all together. 
I notice that kids feel a sense of accomplishment when they see their ideas in print. There is a real satisfaction there. Not only is there satisfaction when we give something an answer that's correct or we get positive feedback around that answer, even if something is give, even if we give positive feedback, what I notice is you don't want the positive feedback to be empty. I just want to speak about that for just a moment. You really want the child or the young person or the adult to have a sense of their own inter, inner accomplishment separate from my reinforcement. Someone can feel really good about what they do when I don't say anything. And you can see it in their face. There's a, there's a brightening. I can also provide positive feedback to somebody and they know in their heart of hearts that they feel like they didn't go to do a good job. They don't have to be a perfectionist for that to happen. They can just have an innate sense. I don't feel like I really got that. I don't feel like I really hit the mark. And then my verbal praise starts to feel inauthentic to them. So we want to be very careful about how we're using the praise, what words we choose, when we use it, the frequency, all of that. You want to be really careful with that. So I just want to bring that up as an aside. What I really like to teach when we're talking about writing, what I really love to teach is for kids to learn how to proofread their work. Proofreading is a phenomenal skill to develop. We all use it constantly, even in texting, so we don't send the wrong things. I, you know, this autocorrect is crazy. Some of the things, I mean, I've gotten some good laughs with friends and family, and you always hope you don't send something like that to someone who you don't want it to go to, you know, uh, a questionable text that you didn't intend to write. So you want to make sure that kids have good proofreading skills. And sometimes I do that as a warm up activity. Let's just do some proofreading exercises. Let's get our mind going and look for these errors. And what should we really say? And what would you say? And you can do that in really quick things like on boom cards or maybe on some a document they're already editing. But it's really fun. I love proofreading. And then, then you have a huge amount of information you can use to work on skills. So many skills, just right in your face. Are they doing the correct punctuation? Is their vocabulary correct? How's their sentence structure? What about that grammar and syntax? Are we matching tense? Is a subject verb agreement okay? All of these things that are necessary skills that they need when they're creating a story. And then they just have to share it after that. And they love to share after. They want to read that clean document. It feels really good. really does. So there's resources. As I've mentioned, the graphic organizers, those are really important. I have a bunch that I share with parents, and they use them in schools a lot. Uh, you can use apps, boom cards. Boom cards are a steady for me. Lots of different types of boom cards you can get. There's Story Grammar Marker, which a lot of people use, a lot of therapists use. And that's a manipulative tool that you can use for narrative skills development. It's a personal um, preference. Some people like it and some people don't, but it's very popular and very widely used. So it's a really good resource. And these story elements are growing in complexity. They grow through the grade levels. They get into these subtleties, sophistication, the expansive nature of a story. It all makes it really intriguing along the way. And there is so much to story elements. So I invite you to really explore and dive into these stories and have a lot of fun. There is so much to learn, but there's a lot of resources that are really helpful, including us. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or on any other podcast platform. 
And to get more information on speech and language therapy, you can visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com.